Performance Podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Greetings and welcome to the Payments Podcast. I'm John Gaffney. I'll be your host for this first in a series of episodes covering the 2023 Business Payments Barometer. You know, it's rare in the business payment space to see a report that asks the big questions and then answers them. Consider the barometer one of those rarities. It takes on the issues of drivers of change, both present and future, such as the use of technology, new payment initiatives, and stanching the ever-growing tide of fraud and financial crime. And here to discuss navigating the headwinds of change on this episode that unpacks some of the key findings from the report is Jacqueline Powell. Jacqueline is head of corporate communications and content here at Bottom Line. Among her achievements in the company, she has been the driving force behind this barometer project since its initial launch in 2016. Welcome, Jack. Hi, John. Thanks for inviting me. You're quite welcome. And before we dive into some of the key findings, a little background. Um, As I said, the barometer started in 2016 as a snapshot of the business payments industry in the UK only. Over time, the depth of research grew, and in 2022, we expanded the survey to include businesses in the United States, interviewing 800 financial decision makers in each country across a range of business sizes and areas. This 2023 research conducted by ISPOS for Bottom Line was in the field between February and March this year. So we're gonna unpack some of the key findings here from the report that truly captures a sweep of issues in the post-pandemic business payments industry. On a general level, despite an uncertain economy, ever-increasing fraud, and a payments landscape that is in flux, companies appear to be resilient in weathering the storm. They have a good handle on their cash management and feel optimistic about experimenting with new payment types, new changing payment terms, and they look for ways to better protect their business payments. But this optimism is tempered by the reality of the need for new and upgraded technology, which is set to influence businesses over the next 12 months. While technology was generally seen as a beneficiary and driver of productivity, the report showed that adopting these innovative solutions can also be challenging. For many companies, it's due to the cost. For some, it's the pace of technology advances. And for others, it's about having the time, skill, and capacity to understand and implement all these solutions. So Jackie, those are some of the top line findings. Um, We see that companies in the UK and US have moved on from COVID, and it looks like they're ready to double down on the technology that will enable further digital transformation. What's at the top of the house now, according to the 2023 payments barometer? Well, I think first of all, you're absolutely right, John. It's clear that the pandemic is a done thing and companies have moved on. Um, We'll all agree that we're now operating it in what was being termed the new normal. But the pandemic, I think, was the major catalyst in accelerating digitization. So while we were all merrily progressing in the right direction, that technology path is now lurching forward at a rapid pace. Um, And this year's research results really back that up. Um, First of all, I think, Every year, it's worth mentioning that we give financial decision makers a list of influences that are likely to impact their payments processes over the next 12 months. And over time, we've seen these influences shift depending on the current climate, whatever that might be. So for instance, in the last two years, that number one driver of change was in fact COVID. Now in both countries, this year's top three drivers 
are all to do with technology. So in the first position for both regions, we had um, easier access to cloud-based technologies. And then in second and third position, it swung in each region um, between pay-as-you-go solutions and mobile technologies, um, obviously the latter being B2C rather than B2B focused. Um, another biggie, John, that was both across Great Britain and the US was payment fraud prevention. Now, this one's no surprise. Um, we're all very aware that fraudsters are always searching for loopholes and businesses are constantly striving to be on that high alert. In the UK, the driver regulation changes to UK payments actually came in ahead of security and fraud prevention driver. So here, we're talking about uh, things like open banking, the new payments architecture, which is also known as uh, NPA, uh, and its overlay services like request to pay, confirmation of payee, uh, soon to include confirmation of payer, um, and variable recurring payments, as well as the adoption of ISO 20022, which is now in full swing, um, as everybody knows. In the US, falling behind security and fraud prevention was AI and predictive analytics. So for us, these results are really encouraging. What it tells us is that companies of all sizes are not only attempting to get to grips with the infrastructure and technology transformations, but they're also actively exploring the opportunities that these initiatives can bring to their businesses. It would seem like all those are very encouraging results as technology continues to be the price of entry to compete as well as to pay and get paid effectively. What are some of the things respondents pointed to as the most positive benefits of new payments technology? And were there any negatives? Well, John, with technology representing the top three drivers of change, that's a great question. So let me address the positive views first. We had over half of respondents in both countries say that the most positive impact would be increased productivity. That was followed by gaining a competitive edge and then reducing business costs. So that's all about creating those back office efficiencies, right? But yes, they also cited some negatives. Here, companies actually called out three things. First, the majority said that it's difficult for them to keep up to date with the technological advances. Secondly, they said that they struggled with the time, the skills, the resources that were needed to implement those changes. And then, of course, you have the increased cost to the business of doing so. Now, I guess for companies, the most important thing is going to be about finding that sweet spot. Uh, so where the long-term opportunities, efficiencies, and competitive advantage will outweigh those short-term negatives because companies just don't want to be playing catch-up, John. That's an even harder ask. Um, however, I would say that businesses should really remember that they don't need to go it alone. Their payment provider, whomever that might be, should be working with them to help them map out that journey in the most practical way for their organization. Um, and they should also be hand-holding them as they consider how best to use these new technologies and these payments initiatives to help them get ahead of the curve. You know, the report had a thorough and fascinating set of data regarding real-time payments. It seems there's the tale of two countries here, driven by consistent usage trends in the UK and the debut of the Federal Reserve's FedNow platform in the US. According to the barometer, the U.S. seems to be lagging in its ad adoption and usage. Jackie, can you compare and contrast some of the key usage trends on real time? Of course, John. Um, I think 
First, we should remember that the UK launched its real-time payment rails in 2008. So that's 14 years ago now. Um, while in the US, it was only five years ago that the Clearinghouse launched its RTP network. Now, when you look at the data from the barometer year on year, um, the adoption of real-time payments in the UK has, over the years, um, been much slower than expected from a B2B perspective. But this year, we saw that increase with adoption um, going up seven percentage points on last year uh, for the UK. One thing that I think is probably just worth cautioning here, John, is that confusion remains around near real time or same day payments, like same day ACH, wire or card payments as an example, versus true real time payment technologies. And they are quite different. So for this reason, we believe that the responses in the, the US are inflated. So they came in at 66% um, where respondents had claimed to have already adopted real-time payments. Now, one thing that is quite interesting is when real-time payments or foster payments was new to the UK, we saw a similar thing. Um, I'll touch a little bit more uh, on that later. Now, I think it's probably worth saying that I'm not an expert on the topic of real time, but there are a couple of episodes on this channel where our experts have shared uh, their insights on real time payments, and that's across several regions. So I'd encourage our listeners to catch those if they're looking for more information. But before we move on, John, I do want to share with you where companies use real time payments and what they believe the, the business benefits are. So I think kicking off with um, the use cases first, we saw that more than half of UK companies, and that's as high as 71% of enterprises, use real-time payments to pay regular invoices and or make payroll payments, with small businesses being the most significant there, that's for the payroll payments, at 60%. In the US, payroll payments remain the most common use of real-time payments. But we've also seen an increase in large US companies at about 60%, using real-time payments for paying internal expense claims, as well as regular supply invoices. Now, when it comes to the advantages of real-time payments, the top benefit of real-time payments across both countries, and regardless of their business size, is that it allows businesses to clear and settle outbound payments more quickly. In second place, the respondents said that it guarantees that funds are readily available to the beneficiary, and to a lesser extent, um, respondents said that it allows their companies to charge for value-add services. One thing that's probably worth mentioning though, John, is that there are often barriers to adoption when introducing new payment types. And um, I guess there's no surprise there because there's a lot at stake. So in this year's report, the obstacles across UK companies were widely spread. So respondents had said that citing limited use no benefit or cost were the most common barriers. While in the US, the overall response was that companies were unsure of the benefits. Now, to me, this isn't surprising given how relatively new real-time payments is in the US. In fact, our business payments barometer report in 2016, so this was already eight years after the launch of real-time payments in the UK, cited the exact same response at that point. So it definitely, I think, took time to create that, um, that initial groundswell, if you like. But it all points to the need for more education on real-time payments benefits uh, and the potential use cases for businesses. 
I expect that with the Federal Reserve Bank's introduction of their real-time payment rails, Fed now, we're likely to see this adoption rate increase in the coming years. Excellent. Thank you, Jackie. Unfortunately, we have to turn to fraud, <laughs> as always. But another two-sided story here, per the, as per the barometer, fraud is on the rise, no surprise there. But there does seem to be some significant changes in the types of fraud being encountered, including insider fraud. Can you unpack that for us? Sure, John. Yes. Um, I think, firstly, there are several industry reports out there that show both increases and decreases in fraud. For example, UK Finance, which is the leading industry body for financial services in the UK, they recently released their latest fraud stats, uh, which actually show a decline in authorised push payment fraud. So this is undoubtedly thanks to the UK's new confirmation of payee service, which matches the name of the person you aim to pay against the name of the bank account. Uh, but then in other reports, like the Strategic Treasurer's Treasury Fraud and Controls Report, we see a hike in inside or employee fraud. So yes, the types of fraud are shifting. But of course, you know, as you plunk one hole, criminals are quick to, to find and exploit another. Moving on to fraud levels um, in our research, John, we found that fraud levels are up 21% in the US, but are consistent with last year's levels for the UK. Now, in the UK, average fraud losses were north of £198,000 for mid-sized businesses, which is up 23% on last year, and it was up 19% for large organisations. So a little jump there, definitely. And in the US, it was the enterprises that were hit the hardest. Uh, they revealed an average loss of around 594,000. Um, this is up 43% from 177K in uh, 22. So it's, it's really a significant jump for those companies. Obviously, companies will try and recoup as much of these losses as they can. Uh, but let me share how they're succeeding on that front. In the US, respondents claimed to be faring far better than UK companies. In fact, 26% of US financial decision makers say they recover more than half of their losses compared to only 14% of UK companies. So another big difference there. In both countries, we saw um, the most common fraud prevention measure was uh, bank account validation and verification, which was the same as last year, followed by multi-factor authentication or MFA as it's commonly known. So for those of you who don't know, although I presume most of our audience does, that's providing an additional security measure to access a system. So something you might know, like the name of your first pet, um, something you have a token, for example, or something you are like a thumbprint or facial recognition. But John, I'm going to stop there um, on the topic of fraud, um, just because later this month, we're publishing an episode on this section alone. So I think um, I would encourage our listeners rather to stay tuned for more detail um, on, on the topic there. And we will do that. Excellent advice, Jackie. So, you know, one of the things that set this report apart for its, from its competitors for me is its focus on the present as well as the future. And when we talk about the future, the UK is reckoning with several new initiatives from the new payments architecture initiative to ISO 20022 to open banking. What did the barometer respondents have to say about these future changes and what will influence them? 
Um, you're right, John, there is so much going on. And I think it's probably fair to say that the payments industry is in quite a bit of flux, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, so, of course, is the macroeconomic climate. So from a UK perspective, there um, are lots of new payment initiatives underway. Um, and in, our, in time, I think um, we will probably see this replicate in the US too, based on market-driven demand for digital payments. For bottom line, John, as, as a payments provider, um, we need to arm companies with industry advice and guidance. And so for us, it's really important to understand how companies are actually navigating these changes as they're coming through. So in our research, we asked respondents to comment on both their 12-month priorities uh, as well as their three-year outlook. And in both cases, uh, fraud prevention was ranked the top priority for both US and British companies. And this was particularly so for small US businesses. On the three-year outlook for both the US and Great Britain, the digitization of finances and reducing payment friction for consumers came in second, followed by the acquisition of new technology and payment methods, which ranked third. Um, and bingo, John, you can see how we have now tied back quite beautifully to where our discussion actually started with the drivers of change, which was all about adopting innovative technology and the benefits um, that companies would see of increased productivity, a competitive advantage, and of course, reducing costs. It, it does tie back perfectly, very good. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the conclusions the report closes with. Thanks, John. I think our report closes with in the main, how the new payments landscape is faster, it's more transparent, cost-efficient, and definitely less risky. But it's still very fragmented across the various payments initiatives, which I appreciate can certainly be a challenge for many businesses. But coming out of this year's research, I think the most important message for companies and their financial decision makers, or indeed the banks that support them, is that you cannot afford to stand still. Uh, and that companies should grasp the incredible opportunities um, that the initiatives and these innovations bring them. Thanks, Jackie. That's a wrap for our first podcast covering the 2023 Business Payments Barometer. Note that we have only scratched the surface here. The report has so much more to explore, and I encourage you to go to bottomline.com to get a copy. We will also be following those additional findings in subsequent episodes, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So once again, Jackie, thanks for joining us. You're most welcome, John. Thanks for having me. And your skill in unpacking these key findings was uh, unparalleled and most appreciated. And we'll see you next time on the Payments Podcast. From Bottom Line Technologies.